Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this final leg of Season 5, I'm reading my way through every single goddamn page in The Revenge of Kang, the final module in the Time Warp Adventure series for TSR's Marvel Super Heroes role-playing game. And as I do, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on each page. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. The Revenge of Kang was written by Ray Winninger and was published in 1990. Today we're discussing page 59 of The Revenge of Kang. We've got to rush into this one because there is so much to talk about. When last we left our heroes, they were at the Baxter Building in the 1960s. Reed Richards, Sue Storm, The Wedding of the Century, interrupted first by Doctor Doom and an army of supervillains whom we fought pointlessly and at great length. Then we were invited to attend the wedding, but before we could attend the wedding, it turned out that there was a suspicious-looking caterer down in the basement, and none of the other superheroes here want to be bothered with that shit, so we had to go do it. When we went down there, it turned out to be yet another Kang, disguised as a caterer, but the wrong caterer, which is how we found him out. This is what happens when a man tries to take over eternity itself, but shows no attention to detail. So we went after Kang, we chased, 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 but then we realized he had already planted a bomb that was meant to destroy the entire Baxter building and all the heroes within. Asterisk. So now our heroes need to split up. Some of them need to keep chasing Kang, and one or more of them need to stay and defuse the bomb. Quote, defusing the bomb. There are four wires that lead to the bomb's detonator. A red wire, a blue wire, a yellow wire, and a white wire. Cutting one of these wires will defuse the bomb. Anyone who examines the bomb for 15 seconds and passes an excellent intensity reason feat roll realizes the yellow wire is not the correct wire with a green result, that both the yellow wire and the white wires are not correct with a yellow result, and that the red, yellow, and white wires are all incorrect with a red result. It takes 5 seconds to cut each of the wires. Cutting the blue wire disarms the bomb. Cutting the red wire, however, automatically detonates the bomb. Give any hero that is about to cut the red wire a good intensity reason feed to notice his mistake at the last minute. It goes on to say that if the bomb goes off, that's it, game over, Kang wins, so we can't let that happen. Make sure your heroes know they need to just spend, spend, spend karma to make sure the ordained conclusion of this scene takes place. Uh, if this seems familiar to you, it may be because you've seen an action movie ever, or it may be that you remember this setup from back in the Kokri Beacon, where we had a very similar thing where there were like wires to hook up and there was one possibility that would cause a big damaging explosion, but there was another possibility that would solve the problem and we had to make reason feats to eliminate possibilities from our list. But then when you look closely at it, it turns out that a red result just gives you the answer and any other result, whether success or failure on your reason roll, just leaves you with a 50-50 guess. For a variety of reasons we don't have time to go into, while I thought that setup was arguably clever in its earlier context, here it really doesn't work. I also take issue with this thing where if the hero is about to clip the red wire, then you call for a good intensity reason feat for them to realize they shouldn't cut that wire. But then you're supposed to tell them, now make sure you spend karma on this, because if you don't, then <laughs> the planet Earth and in fact the entire universe is fucked. It's like, gee, I wonder, I wonder what you're going to tell me if I spend 50 fucking karma on this dice roll. Could it be that I shouldn't cut this wire? I wonder how many times people have played through this adventure and the player's been just like sweating it out, guessing like, oh, should I cut the yellow? Should I cut the white? Should I cut the red? Oh, I'll cut the white. Nothing happened. Uh, I'll, I'll cut the red. And then the judge is like, no, wait, make a good intensity reason feat roll and make sure to spend karma on it because it has to be successful because otherwise everything will blow up. And the player is like, uh, you know what? Never mind. I'm going to cut the yellow wire. I think that's that's definitely the best meta strategy here. Hover your scissors over all the different wires and see which one makes the judge look nervous. But anyway, the only suspense here is how much karma this is ultimately going to cost you. It has been ordained. It has been destined. 
you will cut the correct wire and defuse the bomb. That brings us to the heroes who are chasing down Kang. Quote, Kang should last long enough to make it back to his time ship, where he will make his last stand. Once the heroes defeat the Master Kang, they notice they were not battling Kang at all, but a highly complex android who was impersonating him. Once the android is out of the way, the PCs can enter the time ship and look around. There are no obvious clues inside the time ship, but anyone who passes a good intensity intuition feat roll notices that one of Kang's computers is currently displaying a screen that reads, file name? Question mark. If the heroes walk over to the screen and type in Fireball, the file name that was included in the first time sphere that they analyzed way back in chapter 14, they receive a lengthy report. And this is the big reveal. This is where we find out pretty much what's been going on throughout this entire adventure path. This is why there's no time to talk about what bullshit that bomb was. The first thing we find in this file is, quote, the story of how one of the Kangs accidentally discovered an alternate reality several months ago when he was caught up in an odd temporal phenomenon. And there's a note here to see the introduction for the details. So it's time to dust off the podcast time machine and take you all back to page number three, where we read the following, quote, a long time ago, one of the Kangs was caught up in an odd temporal phenomenon and was swept into a strange new alternate reality. In this reality, Kang discovered all the Marvel heroes and villains, himself included, existed only as comic book characters published by the Dauntless Marvel Comics Incorporated. After a while, Kang was able to modify his time vessel in such a way as to permit him to enter and leave the alternate reality at will. Fascinated by his new discovery, Kang began making frequent exploratory trips to the alternate dimension in search of knowledge. So we find all that out in this file, and we also get instructions on how to use our time vessel to visit this alternate reality, where we are all just comic book characters. We also find the following, quote, a few smatterings about the revolutionary theories on the nature of reality authored by a scientist in the alternate reality, Kleinberg, a memo indicating that several of the duplicate Kangs are working as part of some gigantic conspiracy. A note exhorts the other Kangs, quote, do not worry about being defeated by the heroes. You'll be rescued from whatever fate they subject you to at a later time. We also get, quote, notes on various things that had to be done in order to set the first two adventures in this trilogy into motion. So, for example, we find evidence that Kang arranged for that Orfu timeship to crash in Nazi Germany, and that Kang let loose the Kronivore in the 1870s. There is also a complete script for this adventure, uh, The Revenge of Kang. Quote, however, the last scene of the script has the PC heroes defeating the real Kang, not an android. Appended to the script are notes that read, quote, Subjects have been analyzed and their response is gauged. No deviation from this script is permissible if the master plan is to succeed. So there is still some information the player characters don't know yet. I need to be a little bit careful with spoilers. But basically, we know that Kang has discovered an alternate reality where he and all the heroes are just comic book characters. He's been traveling regularly to this reality. We now have coordinates for this reality. He arranged all the events of the previous two adventure modules. This file contains a complete script for the adventure we've just been through, the shitty pocket dimension, traveling to all these different heroes in the 60s, all that stuff, with a note that our responses have been gauged and analyzed, and that there will be no deviation from the script for what we would do, which, you're not kidding, Kang. Uh, all the different Kangs we've met are in on this conspiracy and have known ahead of time, it seems, that we would defeat them. So this has all been a gigantic manipulation that seems to have gone perfectly, except that we were just supposed to defeat a real Kang, but instead we defeated an android Kang. Now, if I could explain the whole plan that Kang is engaging in right now, it would probably be the dumbest thing on this page, but maybe not. Another dumb thing, the dumbest thing I'm going to choose, given the level that I'm able to explain this right now, is not even the plan, but the reveal of the plan at this very late stage. 
If you put yourself in the place of players who have been playing through this module, as you know, you've been through some real bullshit up to this point. The railroading, the unavoidable KO attacks and all this in World War II, the nonsensical time travel instructions from Nick Fury, getting jerked around and sidetracked and imprisoned by the Crozar and then the Kokri, the whole shitty pocket dimension, all those history tests. We've been through a lot. And to wait until now, the very end of the very last adventure in the series, to make this reveal, it's going to be so disheartening to players. Because it's not just that they've been manipulated. Like, I think that that in itself is a risky thing to do to players, to put them through a whole adventure and then reveal at the end, like, haha, you did exactly what the villain wanted you to do. This is a step further, though. Like, not only was this all a giant manipulation, it was all a work. Like, think of all the times that we defeated Kang. He wanted to be defeated. Think of all the times that we found a clue that allowed us to follow Kang or allowed us to proceed to the next step of the adventure against all odds. Those clues were planted. Every single one of them. Every time Kang ran and we chased him and caught him, he was deliberately slowing down. Remember when he turned off his invisibility belt after three rounds? That's not because Kang's a dumbass. It's because Kang wanted to be beaten. Every time we saved one of these heroes in their timeline from having their heroic careers ended before they began, fake. Kang never wanted to do that. He wanted to pretend to try to do it so that we would stop him, and we did exactly what he wanted us to do. Those heroes were never in danger. Even events that seemed like they could not possibly have been planned, like all the coincidences involved in like our time ship appearing at seemingly random spots near but not exactly at the same time and place that Kang appeared somewhere, just because of the vagaries of setting coordinates based on his coordinates, somehow... Kang appears to have accurately and perfectly predicted every one of those events. Our getting sucked uncontrollably into the shitty pocket dimension, Kang getting stranded himself in the pocket dimension, the outcome of the Kokri trials, all of that was precisely calculated. We never actually had any control over the course of events. Even the events that seem pointless, like the whole Kokri thing. And why did Kang choose to make us jump through all these pointless hoops to get us to a place that would have been very easy to get us to directly? There's an answer to that question. I can't tell you what it is now but I'll tell you that it's not going to make things better. We are now on page 59 of the third book in this series, and it has just now been revealed to us that everything that has happened so far has been a work, and we've fallen for it. That is the dumbest thing in this page. If players are not already exasperated about everything they've been through, in this fucking gauntlet of designer abuse heaped upon their characters and themselves, this is going to do it. Players, I guarantee you, are going to be pissed going into the final leg of this adventure, which, by the way, is optional. If you haven't run MT1 and 2, you can run Revenge of Kang as a standalone adventure, and if you do, it just ends here. And everything that happened in this adventure that we've just had revealed was like an elaborate ruse, and that explains like why Kang was so easy to defeat and why all those clues were there, uh, is just real. Just regular comic book coincidence, and we beat Kang. Hooray for us. So there's the author kind of tipping his hand that like, you fools, you rubes, it was all a clever trick. No one would ever behave in this irrational way that Kang has been behaving, unless you didn't buy MT1 or MT2, in which case, uh, yes, he totally was behaving that irrationally. Anyway, so that's, that's a ton to take in, and there's a lot more. Why Kang is doing what he's doing, what the theories of this person in Kleinberg have to do with anything, what's going on with this alternate dimension, where did this file called Fireball come from, why was this a fake android Kang instead of a real Kang? The heroes don't know any of that, but they soon will, and so will you, dear listener, Join me next time as the final phase of this adventure and this adventure series begin with a journey to a world much like our own on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays 
when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact me however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Gmail, Podbean, your favorite podcatcher, etc., etc. This episode's music, used under Creative Commons license, is Take Us to the Nearest Starbase by Astrometrics, whose work you can find at soundcloud.com slash astrometricsband.